This is not my usual episode, but faith is a massive part of my life and has been for the past decade now. Now, don't go turning off this episode if you're like, oh, she's just going to preach and throw Bible verses around and speak to things that I don't believe in or honestly even understand or agree with. I'm doing this episode because this is a special time of year, especially this year. You'll find out why later, but mainly because what's gone down in my life the past 10 years, where I came from, and why I have the mindset and the outlook that I do now is something that you might relate to big time. And my hope is that you listening in today helps you realize that even if we think or believe differently, and even if we do, both sides of the coin, I'm very likely a lot like you in the struggles and the hardships that I face. And I hope you leave feeling just encouraged. All right, time to rewind back to the start. Let's go. Hey mama, welcome to the Tough Love Mom Podcast. I know you're here because you're ready to get consistent and finally lose that weight and you're not afraid of a little tough love. You know what to do to lose weight, but following through on those things feels impossible. You wish you could just feel like your strong, confident self again and want to be a good example for your little ones, but you get thrown off by mom guilt and the unpredictability of motherhood. It's frustrating. Taking on your journey postpartum is hard, but it's not impossible. Hey, I'm Liz and I've been where you are. I gained a lot of weight in my pregnancies, 90 pounds and then 60 pounds. I needed to lose that weight to take control of my health and honestly just wanted to feel like myself again. With a sustainable approach to weight loss, simple consistency, and working on my mindset, I lost it all in just over a year both times, and I'm here to help you do the same. I believe that we have an ingrained ability to figure out what we need to do, make it happen, and do it in a way that awes the world. If you're ready to stop falling off the wagon, create solid routine and healthy habits, and finally feel your best inside and out, all while enjoying dino nuggets on your salad, you are in the right place. We're about to transform your journey, my friend. Get pumped up. It is tough love time. Real life moment here real quick. Um, As a mom does, I'm changing my routine up a little bit and I'm recording this first thing in the morning. I just woke up. So my voice is like my morning voice. (laughs) So if it's bothering you, if you're like, oh, she sounds different. That's why it's literally five o'clock in the morning. My kids change their routine as they do. And so I am adjusting as well with that and recording this first thing. So bright and early, good morning. Um, Let's get into it. So I know I said 10 years ago, but I need to set the scene really quick. I grew up Catholic, pretty much went to church weekly. It wasn't like we only went to church on Christmas and Easter and stuff like that. We went pretty much weekly. And for me, just growing up in that, in the church and, um, in that setting, it was really boring and I didn't understand a lot of it, but we went and I was a good kid through high school, mainly because I was so wrapped up in volleyball. I didn't have time to get in trouble or go party. I literally played volleyball, did my schoolwork, went to sleep. That was my life all of high school. Then I went to college and I went to one of the top party schools at that. So I was introduced to the party scene. Um, you know, drinking, going out, all that stuff, dancing, the bars. I was introduced to that and boy, did I enjoy it. Thankfully, we did have dry seasons and basically what a dry season is, is you don't drink. You don't drink during the volleyball season. Once preseason starts in August and you're doing two a days all the way through the end of the season, no drinking. And in the spring season, when we were training and doing fun spring tournaments, We had a 24-hour rule, which basically meant within 24 hours of practice or games, no drinking allowed. Like, you could not have a drip. So we could party, and obviously in the off-season we did, and we had fun. That's what we did. So aside from discovering that whole world, I was also pretty insecure. Um, You know, high school, college days, my personality just for context, I'm very hard on myself. Um, if you know the Enneagram, I pretty much fall into the one category. I'm very type A. So I'm very self-critical. Like I'm harder on myself than anyone else in the world probably is on me. And I mean, 
all the way through high school and college, I sought out validation in relationships. So boys, alcohol, um, some might say that's a typical college experience. It was nothing crazy. I, I never got into like massive trouble or anything, but it was also pretty empty, to be honest. It was not fulfilling. It never filled that gap that I felt in my soul, like that insecurity I felt that I was seeking out validation and that fun and that thrill that I was trying to seek from going out and drinking and going to bars and talking to boys. Like none of that was fulfilled. None of that, that loss, that emptiness I was feeling was filled by those things, but I was seeking it out. And I think as human beings, we all try to fill in that gap that we feel inside with things like that. So going back to summer 2012, I know 11 years ago, so we're almost getting there. I went through a pretty, pretty in that, in that time, a pretty bad breakup. Um, I was with a guy who I thought was going to be like the one and whatever. And right before our summer training started, he broke up with me and that was hard on me. And a friend on my team invited me to FCA, which stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'll come with you. There's food. It's on a Monday night, which I don't do anything in the summer anyways. So let's go. We'll have training the next morning. Why not? It's a group of nice people. I'm in a down in the dumps place right now. And it felt really good. Going felt great. It was just a great atmosphere to be around. And I kept getting drawn back, not by any one person or any one experience. It was just a place that felt good. I couldn't explain it. So I kept going back to FCA because it felt so good being there and something was just drawing me back. So summer passes, we go into the fall season and obviously we weren't partying. I studied education. So my, um, My workload for school was very heavy. I was also, they like progressively had a student teaching. So soft, no, junior year on, I was in the classroom on top of schoolwork, on top of playing volleyball. And at this point, this was my junior year. So we had transitioned to the big 12. So we are, our playing schedule was Wednesday, Saturday. And when we had to travel, we were gone for a whole week because all the big 12 schools were a flight away. The closest one was Iowa state. So it was insane. And then I was still going to FCA. So that was my life. Volleyball, schoolwork, FCA, traveling. It was insanity, right? That's my junior year and the fall season. So fast forward to the end of the season, you know, season ends, we had a dry season. So we all go out, we party, we have Christmas break and we get back to school and you have syllabus week. I don't know if you termed it that where you went, but we had syllabus week, which was that first week of classes in the spring semester when you really don't do much. They just go over the syllabus. So a lot of people go out and party because there's not a lot of work. And guess what? We didn't start training until the week after syllabus week. So we were like, let's take advantage of this and have a real college experience. (laughs) And we went out and partied. Well, we went, I think we went out Monday. I don't remember. Um, And Tuesday, we also went out again. We pre-gamed. We went to this thing called mug night, which is where you you go to this bar and you bring whatever size cup you want. And you, for five bucks or something, they fill it up for like a certain time period, like 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. So we went to that. We literally drove through McDonald's, ordered like the largest big gulp water waters ever, dumped out the waters and went with those. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so um, mug night. And there, one of our friends who was in the sports management, I think, field. So we knew him because he was always in the Coliseum where we played in practice. He saw us and he was like, hey, I've got friends upstairs. They'd love to meet you. So we go to a bar that's upstairs from the one we were at at mug night and there it's tequila Tuesday. <laughs> I can't, I kid you not. And this is, this is so, it's like such a funny coincidence. My parents met at a bar called big daddies and tequila Tuesday was at fat daddies. And guess who I met there at tequila Tuesday. I can't believe I'm saying this to the whole podcast. Casey, I met my husband that night and he bought me a mark. He used the corniest pickup line. So funny. And bought me a margarita. And that's when we met. That's literally how we met. Um, fun fact. <laughs> so super funny coincidences there. Um, 
you know, funny way to me, but we, we hit it off. We talked the whole night. And the next morning I was like, what did I do? Oh my goodness. He's younger than me. He's in a fraternity and he's going into the military. And this is like one of the first of many instances where my stubbornness showed hardcore and God was like, no, I'm going to turn you around because you don't know what I know. (laughs) So I didn't show any interest for a while. A very ugly side of me was showing there for a while. Um, Casey would reach out. He wanted to go on a date. I was like, no, let's do lunch. I showed up in sweats. I mean, I was just nasty. Um, I would respond with one word text because I didn't want to show interest in him. There was just this stubborn part of me. So very ugly side of me still showing. Um, I was still going to FCA. And looking back on that whole season, because you might be like, wow, you're being like really hypocritical. You were still going out and partying, but you were loving FCA and you were treating this guy that's now your husband in this horrible way. And just, it seems very hypocritical, right? But I want to encourage you because maybe that's what's like turned you off to Christianity. And there's a lot of times where I'm very naive (laughs) to things. And I think this is one of those situations where I was, and I'm very grateful for that because I think that hypocriticalness, did I just make up a word? That hypocriticalness Um, that you can see in Christians can be a big turnoff. And I'm glad I didn't even recognize that in myself in the moment because I was in that transition phase. Learning about Jesus made me feel good, but I thought stuff like going out and drinking would still make me feel good too. And I was in that transition phase. And I think a lot of the world relies on using their feelings to guide them. Oh, how does this make me feel? Do I feel good? What's my experience here? How does it impact me? How does it feel for me? And we really can't rely on those because our feelings fluctuate so much. And at the time, I was working with what I knew both logically and from life experience. So I'm glad I was naive to the fact that that was going on. But looking back, I can see how it could look really hypocritical to an outside world. Me saying, yeah, I love the FCA. It's so good. But then going out and doing that, it's kind of like, oh, you get to have your cake and eat it too, right? When really... It doesn't like long-term, obviously I don't live like that anymore. And I just realized now, I think over time, as you grow in your faith, as you grow closer to God, the desire to lean into your feelings, the desire to live a worldly way just kind of fades. So, um, I, I hope you can relate to that. If you're in that place where you're kind of in that transition phase and you're like, Oh, I'm doing this and I don't know if I should, or if it's good or bad, but I want to, cause I, you know, this is where my whole friend group and it, it just, just work through it. Just, just keep living day by day through it. You will grow. Um, just trust in that and keep leaning into the Lord. And I'll talk about some of that stuff later on how to, and what worked for me. But anyways, back to the story. So I was distancing myself from Casey. Um, And looking back, this was also a big God thing. I think even though he didn't, I mean, it's not a godly thing to be rude to someone, right? (laughs) Like I was being rude to Casey, but he, I think God did use that because we both needed space to work on ourselves and make the decision completely on our own that yes, Like we both had to decide for ourselves that, yes, I do like this Christianity thing and I want to know more about God. We had to come to that conclusion, that decision on our very, very own without being a part of each other's lives. So I think even though, you know, God didn't want me being rude to Casey, he did use that for good. Now, Casey's story isn't mine to tell, but he basically had gone through his own rough patch, had a moment and realized he needed Jesus in his life right before we met as well. We both kind of had those, quote, come to Jesus moments, in a sense, on our own. And we met, you know, right person, wrong time. Um, God used that, even though I was being just a horrible human being to him. (laughs) And um, he ended up bringing us back together. So at the same time that we're like, you know, I'm being rude to him, we're distanced. Um, I kept going to FCA more and more consistently. I would willingly go, even if my teammates couldn't, like I was loving it. And I was even getting discipled by, um, our women's chaplain at this point. So FCAs usually have a chaplain who's a man, but our college, our university was one of the like 
two or three in the country that had a woman's chaplain specifically for the women's sports teams. And I'm so grateful for her. She still works with FCA there at West Virginia. And she's literally still to this day, a big sister to me. Um, so I'll refer to her in here as well a couple times. So that was January, right? In February, um, I don't know what it was. I, I truly cannot point to it except for God changing my heart. There are no, there's no explanation for it. Um, I made grits one day and in the middle of the day, I just texted Casey and I was like, in this point, we kind of had stopped talking. It had fizzled out, but it was midday and I just texted him and I said, Hey, do you want to come over for grits? Like I just had this very inexplicable change of heart. Um, a few months down the road after that, I actually had one around drinking where, um, I got drunk one night, was pretty hungover the next morning and it was just this snap of the fingers, change of heart of like, I I just don't want that anymore. I don't want to drink. I just don't feel the need to do it. I don't like the taste of it. And since that day, I just have not had the urge to drink. I've had maybe like five or six glasses of champagne on special occasions and like a sip, honestly, since then, because I, that desire is just gone. It just got changed in me. So back to the story, because I had made these really good smoked Gouda grits. I need to make them again since we live in the South now, but it was totally a God thing. I just had this change of heart. Something in me got humbled, which has happened a lot in my life <laughs> where I'm really stubborn about something. And then God's like, ha ha ha, I'm going to humble you. <laughs> and he does. Um, but I invited him over and that was kind of like the kicking off point. We started talking more and more and basically dating a few weeks later. So that's what it's kind of what, like the spring looked like. And, you know, and going to FCA, um, come April, they, they gave us this opportunity to get baptized, which is why this time of year is really special because it was actually April 20th, 2013 that I got baptized. So this episode's airing on March 20th. So literally a month from today, 10 years ago, I was baptized. Now, yes, growing up Catholic, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic church, but baptism, what it is, is a public declaration to live your life for Christ. And, you know, the Catholic church has their own traditions around it and why they do it with babies. But I wanted to make that decision for myself. And so I chose um, April 20th, 2013 to get baptized. Now, was I living my life for Christ perfectly? No, (laughs) no, I was still, I would still go out and drink you know, have vodka cranberries. That was like our favorite thing, but I don't need, I didn't need to be to come to him. And thankfully, like I said earlier, I didn't realize how unlike Christ my life still looked, but God wasn't expecting me to clean it all up before doing that. He didn't expect me to be leading this perfect Christian life before I could say, yes, I'm going to publicly declare my life is yours. And he doesn't expect that of you either. He just wanted my heart to be yearning after him. And it was, it had been right. That drawback to FCA was my heart being like, you need this in your life. So that was the spring semester, um, summer of that year, FCA fellowship of Christian athletes puts on a camp for all of their college athletes, which basically, I know it sounds so silly, but it's basically just it's down in Georgia and on this island, and it's a weekend of worship, of study, of being discipled, and being competitive as well, because it's a bunch of college athletes getting together. So it was, it was a spiritual high, like mountaintop moment, so fun. Um, and on the way down, because we were driving from West Virginia to Georgia, so that's a long drive. So we stopped in South Carolina and stayed with my family on the way down because it was Memorial Day weekend. It was an easy stop for us to make. It was so nice getting to see them because living, you know, eight hours away, playing volleyball, being super committed to that, all my schoolwork, I didn't see my family a ton. So it was really nice to stop down and see them because I was going to be gone pretty much the whole summer back at school, traveling around for some big 12 stuff. So it was an amazing time. And I got home from FCA camp on the evening of Memorial Day. So it was a Monday night and I was in the living room and I get this phone call from my dad, which I wasn't really expecting, but I answered and I've never heard him like this before. Um, My mom had had an accident. He 
didn't have a lot of words because I think he was still kind of in shock. But basically, uh, she went to go grill. She went to go turn the grill on and it had been leaking. I guess it didn't get turned off all the way or something. And gas had been leaking out all day and building up under the hood of the grill. And so when she lit it, a big ball of fire basically exploded out and burned the whole front of her body. Um, really scary, (laughs) really scary for everyone. I think she ran out and jumped into the pool, thankfully, um, which, you know, getting in colder water helps stop the progression of burns. But by the time I got this phone call, she was on the way to a burn unit in a different city because Charleston didn't even have what she needed, which is crazy because Charleston is like a massive, has a massive medical campus. That's really world renowned. So she had to go to a different city. She was being transported there and they just didn't know she'd be okay. Like a huge percentage of her body had like third degree burns. It was just really bad. She had a lot of skin grafts, a lot of surgeries, a long stay in the hospital and I couldn't go home. Um, you can actually hear about the whole accident where I interviewed my mom in episodes 59 and 61. So I'll link those below. But, um, I remember this night. I remember I was sitting on the arm of our sectional, um, on the phone, we had the lights half off and Casey was actually there. Cause we had just, he went to FCA camp too. So we'd just gotten back and, or maybe he didn't go that year. I can't remember, but no, he didn't go that year, but he was hanging out with me cause I had just gotten back. And so he's in the living room. I'm like sobbing at this point. I'm scared. Um, I have all these what ifs going through my head because sorry, this always makes me emotional because I couldn't go home because I was traveling to Texas the next weekend for a big 12 leadership event. And then the week after that, we started summer camp, like summer training basically for volleyball. So I was, I was in Morgantown, West Virginia, June through November because I had volleyball. I couldn't go home. I couldn't just leave. And I remember that being the moment that I had a choice because it's always a choice. I could hold on to all these what ifs and all this fear and try to control a situation that I had zero control over, or I could fully surrender all of that. I could fully surrender any and all control because I really didn't have it anyways, um, of the situation, of my fears, of the what ifs fully to God. I had that choice right there in that moment. And it was a dark, (laughs) low moment, but I knew I knew I would not survive mentally. I knew I would have breakdown after breakdown if I, like, I I didn't go through this all logically in my head, but I just knew if I did not surrender this all to God right now, I would not make it. I would not be able to get through this. My mom is like my best friend. So in that moment, I called Teresa, our woman's chaplain. She's like a big sister to me. And I was sobbing. She just prayed over that whole situation and... That was the night I drew the line in the sand. And I hate that it took such a difficult moment for my mom, for my family. But some call, some call it like a rock bottom or the come to Jesus moment. I mean, both are basically true for me because that's what that was. But that was the night I drew the line in the sand. And I was like, I have to live 100% for God. I cannot live both ways. Like, I have to give this all over to him. So that was like the turning point for me, truly, in my journey with with the Lord. So going into that fall, my senior season, it was insane, for lack of a better term. I was student teaching like eight hours a week or something or 12 hours a week. So I was in the classroom like three to four days a week. Um, I had a full class load. We were in the big 12. So I was traveling basically half of the fall. Um, we had a lot of snow days because of the the winter was nuts in West Virginia that year. So I was also trying to make up student teaching days. I was going to FCA consistently, but despite all this craziness and my mom's at home in South Carolina recovering, I can't go visit cause I've got volleyball. So despite all of that insanity, I felt such a peace. One that one doesn't even have words and two, has truly been ever present in 
every tumultuous situation I've faced since that Memorial Day night in 2013. So I finished out school. Um, I'm going to kind of move through things a little faster now because I think it's important to get that backstory of what my life looked like when I was on like both sides of the fence, proverbially, (laughs) and what that big turning point was for me. Because maybe you've never faced something that like deep and dark and difficult, and maybe it's coming or maybe... Maybe you have, and like you trudged through that and didn't know that you had a choice to turn it all over to someone else. And that caused a lot of just mental strife and frustration and anxiety and whatever else. Just know that you always have that. It's always a choice. You always have that option. And I'm not saying it's always a choice as in like, make a choice. That's your fault that you didn't. I'm saying that in a sense of like, it's, you always have this fresh option every day. And it's such a gift. It's such a gift to be able to take that off your shoulders and hand it to someone else who is actually in control of everything. So senior season ends. Um, I actually did a five-year master's program. So I had one more year of school left where I could just focus on school and full-time student teaching and graduate work for grad school. That was insanity too. But I finished out school. Um, Casey actually proposed the January before we graduated in 2015. Um, We got married in July, on July 18th, 2015. And we moved to Mississippi two weeks later, (laughs) literally two weeks later to start our lives. So now that we're at that eight years ago, Mark, um, what I'm going to do is highlight the moments that I truly know I would not have gotten through. I would not have gone through well (laughs) without having full faith and trust in God's plan for the situations. Um, Also that full faith and complete trust. I was doing little quote hands there. Um, And that feeling of peace, despite the circumstances that I'll talk about, that grows every time. Like that wasn't this huge you know, solid rock that I could stand on from day one. It's grown every single time I go through a trial. And it's not like this fix that makes it all perfect. Honestly, (laughs) honestly, my life has had more ups and downs since deciding to live my life for God. Um, In 2013, my life has had way more ups and downs than I can count. But it does make getting through all those trials doable. I believe it saved me from a lot of mental health issues, strife, depression, anxiety that I probably would have experienced had I not had God to lean on. So anyways, let's go through some of this fun, 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 fun timeline of personal trials I've faced. And I want to caveat this with I'm going through this to just kind of point out like what it's looked like. Everyone's life has its own ups and downs. And so this isn't for you to compare or be like, wow, she did that. This is all me saying I would not have gotten through this well without God. And this is just what our life has looked like. So moved to Mississippi. I got a job teaching elementary special education. And so I did that for two years while Casey started his pilot training there um, about a year into living there. So I just want to note too, when we lived in Mississippi, my family was the closest, but it was a solid nine hour drive away. And I was used to being far away from family, Casey, not as much, but you know, brand new place. Both of us (laughs) kind of story of our life everywhere we've lived. Be like, wow, we never would have like chosen to live here on our own, but we get to. And it's super cool that like we had to call Columbus, Mississippi home for the next two years. It's not something that we would choose. But it is, you know, brand new. You don't know anyone. You got to make new friends. You got to find a church. You got to find your grocery store. You got to get used to the accents. It's like totally a different world every single time we would move. So that was interesting in itself and a joy. Honestly, we loved living in Mississippi. We've loved everywhere we've lived. And it's all perspective. It's all perspective. So in January of 2017, after like about a year and a half in Mississippi and about half a year of Casey taking on pilot training, we found out he would be going the helicopter route, which means he literally, we found out. And later that day, they're like, so you're going to be moving in about four weeks, (laughs) February. Okay. The school year, as you know, ends in May. And, um, we found out he was moving in February. So we're like, huh, how is this going to work? I can't like, I can't just desert these kids 
who rely on me for stability, like their home lives can be kind of crazy. Um, I can't just up and leave these children who literally need, like there was a, there was a shortage of teachers. Like they, they couldn't just fill my spot. So I chose to stay in Mississippi. Well, he moved about six hours away to Alabama for the rest of his training, um, for becoming a pilot. So we lived apart for about five to six months. And once the school year ended, I got to move and live with him in Alabama, which was great. So we were there for about a couple more months, January and February 2018 come around. And this was his second long training away. So he had one when we lived in Mississippi where he was gone for about a month. And at the beginning of 2018, he was gone for about another month. And it was when he was out in the field, like couldn't be reached, couldn't call him, you know, couldn't get a hold of him where I found out we were expecting our first child. <laughs> and again, let me remind you, nowhere near our family. Um, it was even more one of those situations where we didn't feel super, con- like I wasn't working outside the home then. We just didn't have a ton of close friends nearby. So I was like, okay, I got to wait till, you know, he gets off work. It was just one of those things where I was like, this is going to be interesting timing with you know, our next move, it's going to be a shorter stay where we're living next. And then trying to, I was just like, how is this going to work? It's one of those things where like, I'm the kind of person who all the logistics start going through my brain and when they don't make sense, instead of getting anxious and stressed about it, which I, I mean, I feel a little bit of stress when I start going through the logistics, but it was one of those times when I was like, it'll work out. It just will. Like, even though it doesn't make sense. And I believe it's because I have I had God to go to in all of this. I was like, even though the timing is a little bit of a nightmare, I know it will work out. And it sure did. So I'll get there in a minute. So we finish our time in Alabama and move out to Albuquerque about a month later in March 2018 and spent, spent about eight months of my pregnancy out there. So almost the whole pregnancy, but not all of it, not till the end. And at this point, I'm a plane ride. We're both a plane ride away from family. Other side of the country. Obviously, neither of us have even been to New Mexico before, so it's brand new. But again, we plugged ourselves, one, plugged into a church, start serving, and that has been monumental. Every single place we've lived is finding a church that we can call home and then serving. I loved working in children's ministry and in like the little daycare rooms on Sundays when we were there. Um, Cause I just loved doing that before we had kids, before we had kids being the keywords there. <laughs> but anyways, that was really huge for us to feel like home everywhere we've lived. So here's where it gets crazy. So we spent about eight months in Albuquerque. His training there took a little bit longer than it was supposed to. So we, I think it was supposed to be done in like August. I was due in October, mid October. Well, his training's taking longer, but a house is available in Vegas. So I go ahead. We, we take advantage of that, the, the house we want to go move into. And on September 20th, 2018, I moved to Vegas solo, drove there, took some of our stuff. And cause it was one of those weird moves where they're like, since we were in Albuquerque for a couple months, I, it was just weird where like we had half of our stuff, but not all of it. The movers had to bring stuff because they had it in storage. It was, it was insane. It was honestly a stressful season of life, but that moving day slash couple of days with the movers coming to was one of the most stressful couple of days in my life just to date. So uh, I think September 20th was like a Wednesday or a Thursday. I think it was a Thursday or a Friday. I don't know. It was, it was during the week. And I get there, like I said, super stressful. I won't go into all the details, but it was basically a nightmare of like a move. We I couldn't get into the house that night. I had to stay in a hotel on the military base, but the hotel was actually old barracks. There was no elevator. I'm carrying, I'm 36 weeks pregnant, carrying like my triathlon bike and suitcases and stuff literally up the stairs. I'm sweating. It's like a hundred degrees. I'm crying because I saw cockroaches. I was like, what is life right now? It was, it was a nightmare. (laughs) So that passes. We get into the house. Casey comes for the weekend 
to help unpack. Um, I had a prenatal appointment that Friday. I mean, like even the day I showed up, I almost didn't make it on time to like get into the hospital system to get a provider because I'm 36 weeks pregnant. I'm like, I need to get seen now because I need to have my 36 week appointment. I mean, it was a nutty day, stressful. And one of those days, I think I was so overwhelmed and stressed and crying because I tried to take it in my own control. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, it was just nuts. So, um, had my appointment, Casey helped unpack, but he had to go back on Sunday to, you know, finish training. He had a couple flights left in Albuquerque. So Tuesday comes, you know, go back Monday because I want to check my blood pressure. Then they have me do, you know, the 24-hour urine catch to see if you've got protein in your urine for preeclampsia. And long behold, come Tuesday, I sure have preeclampsia. So um, they induce me Tuesday evening. And Casey has to drive overnight because he's still in training. So I start the induction. He finds out around 5 p.m. And... I think he was flying, so like he couldn't even find out until 6 or 7 p.m. He freaks out. Well, doesn't freak out. He's pretty level-headed. Drives literally from Albuquerque to Las Vegas overnight to be there for the birth. He came around 3 a.m. I was like a handful of hours into the induction by then. And Royce was born one week after moving. September 27th. Casey had to go back after we were able to leave the hospital a few days later. Um, so I did get to have my mom there for about a week or two. I don't remember. She was there for a little bit while Casey was still gone. There are a few days there that overlapped where I was solo with Royce. Um, after my mom had to leave and Casey got back, you know, he was literally a week or two old at this point. And it was nuts. Like that whole moving birth postpartum experience for those, you know, month or two right there. And we knew no, I mean, we knew no one in Las Vegas. I wasn't leaving the house because I just had a baby. It was tough. We really didn't have much community there at all yet. I mean, the squadron is a great support, but it was just, it was, it was new. Everything was new. I had just become a mom and I'll be totally honest, looking back. And this is like the biggest blessing because that birth was pretty intense, having had preeclampsia. I mean, I labored without any pain meds for 24 hours. I was on magnesium. I ended up getting an epidural. There was some scares, like with health stuff. I mean, it was just a difficult birth. I have no trauma from that. I really don't. It was, I felt like I was a decision maker the whole time. You know, even with Casey not being there at the beginning and, you know, bawling my eyes out, walking down the hospital hallway, back to my car, realizing I'm getting induced that night. It's not even October yet. I'm not supposed to have a baby till October. It was just, it was nuts. Um, I really don't have a lot of trauma from that at all because I just had so much trust in that this will all work out. And I don't think I would have had that trust and that knowing without knowing God. So fast forward about a year to October, 2019, I found out we were pregnant with our second child where I said, just turned one. And I knew Casey would be deploying in a few months, like literally at the beginning of the next year, he may or may not be gone to go deploy. So with that timing, (laughs) finding out I was pregnant in October, I was like, man, if he deploys, like, during the beginning of next year, he might be gone when the birth happens. That might not work out so well. And come January, 2020, he, so I had a lot of like, when I found out I was pregnant, I had a lot of worry about that for a couple minutes. And then I remember, yeah. Okay. Here's another thing. If you're like not a Christian, you're listening still. Hey, I'm so happy you're here, but you might hear people say a lot like, I heard God say, okay, I've heard God tell me things too, but it's not like this audible voice. Like we can hear voices. It's, it's just like a thought that comes into your mind, at least for me. And and that's what most people mean when they say that. So I heard God say, (laughs) I was like crying in the shower after getting this positive pregnancy test because I'm worried and I'm like logically trying to go through the timing and I'm freaking out and the fact that it won't work out. And I quote, hear God say, AKA a thought comes into my mind that just comes into my mind out of nowhere. And I hear, I I think the words that I'm thinking are Liz, 
I've got a purpose for this child and this timing, and it will all work out. And I just felt this peace wash over me. The tears stopped, the worry stopped, and I was excited. It was just like a a change. There's been so many times in my life where my heart has just been like changed in a moment. And I'm really grateful because in January 2020, Casey did deploy. He found out one weekend he was gone the next, and we did not know when he would be coming back. And I was pregnant. (laughs) So we have a one-year-old. I'm pregnant with our second. I'm like 14-ish, I think something like that, like end of first trimester, beginning of second trimester when Casey deploys in January. And you know what happened March 2020, right? COVID hit, lockdown, um, no family nearby. I don't know when Casey's coming home. There's this lockdown now, so I don't know if he's ever coming home because he's on the other side of the world. I was like, this is okay. Hopefully this works out. I mean, we got to the point where I'm looking up like the Red Cross situation to see what they do to bring home service members when a baby's born. And they're, I mean, it was just, it was nuts. Right. But I had a lot of trust this whole time that things would just work out. Now, thankfully he did get back in the early summer and Cal was born on the 4th of July, 2020. Fast forward to the next January in 2021, Casey deployed again. And at this point, I've got a two-year-old and a five-month-old. Hmm. Fun stuff. Family on the other side of the country. We, you know, we lived in Las Vegas, so it was still a little tense with the whole lockdown situation there. He returned about six months later in June, and we went into a crazy summer of travel, just visiting family in different parts of the country. Um, thankfully, in 2022, I did have him stateside, meaning Casey didn't deploy overseas, but with the nature of his job, he doesn't, again, he doesn't constantly go overseas and deploy, but he was gone often for trainings. So I was still solo parenting with family a four-hour flight away about five of the 10 months that we were in Vegas in 2022 before we moved here to Alabama. So that basically wraps up the craziness of the... I need Jesus in these moments because I don't know how I'll get through him, like through these circumstances without him. But I really wish you could have been a fly on the wall for so many little moments because those are all kind of like the big highlights. The life had a lot of ups and downs moments, but there were so many little ones where God worked things out or God just gave me the peace or the strength or whatever that I needed in that moment. Like this one. In 2020, when Casey was deployed, I was visiting my family in South Carolina with Royce. And our flight back from South Carolina to Vegas, when I'm literally pregnant with my one-year-old, was planned for and scheduled for it. And we were able to take it the day before COVID shut down the world. It was March, I think, 15th. We were able to fly back without issue, despite COVID shutting down the world the next day. I remember watching the news being like, I really hope our flight stays. <laughs> and so that that was just a huge, perfect timing thing that I could not have planned. And I did not have to do anything about it. I didn't have to change a thing. It all worked out so well. Or like the times, so many times after the boys went to bed, when Casey was gone, I put headphones in, in my kitchen, I would blast worship music and I would just thank him for sustaining me for another day because solo parenting for weeks at a time is not for the faint of heart. It was not easy for me or like the many, many moments still to this day (laughs) where middle of the chaos, I have to stop. I have to stop myself from acting out of my flesh and acting out in a way that is stressed or angry or anything. I just have to stop and ask God to give me the strength to face this next moment of momming. And he gives it, he gives me exactly what I need in that moment. There have been so many little coincidences over these past 10 years that could only be God ordained. You call them coincidences. I like to call them God ordained because they wouldn't have worked out the way that they did without God being a part of it. And I'm sure there's coincidences in your life. You could be like, that's such a crazy coincidence. It's not a coincidence. God puts those things together for 
you to be able to go, that has to be someone else planning all this because I can't figure it out. There are also so many little moments that made getting to know God this past 10 years so worth it because I wouldn't have gotten through them with the peace and the confidence that I did without that. I fully believe that he is guiding every single step in my family's life. And I can see how he's used each really, really hard moment to help me be more like him, not for himself, but for his glory. Right. And if you're like, um, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) It means that the circumstances I've faced in the past 10 years, the ways that I've walked through them, like someone from the outside looking at me going through whatever I went through at peace confident with joy, knowing that it will be worked out for my good and for his glory doesn't make sense to people. And it lets me point back to God. So I know there will be many more ups and downs I face because that is literally how life is. I know your life is like that too, right? All of us have ups and downs, but my hope is that you hearing my experience walking with God the past 10 years encourages you to learn a little bit more about the God who has carried me through so much, so many ups and downs. So I actually, I do this episode in a big part because someone on Instagram reached out a few months ago asking how to connect more with God because she just wanted to get back, you know, into the church and just like needed him. And if you're feeling that at all, if you're in a place where you're like, I'm just down, I'm frustrated, I'm like, whatever it is that, you know, you don't, you have that emptiness, right? That I talked about earlier that I was trying to fill with other things. We often can try to figure all of that out on our own when really it's not possible. Like God's the only one who can fill that emptiness inside of us and fix it and fill it and make us feel better. So those two things really her reaching out about that and me just kind of realizing all of this is really what spurred me on to do this episode. So when she asked, how can I just like connect more with God? It feels so overwhelming. I don't know where to start. Three things came to mind because I think there's really three ways to connect with God. You can worship, you can read, and you can pray. Don't overcomplicate it. And don't just start like reading in Genesis one, like I did and reading straight through the Bible. I I would like open it on my phone app, on my Bible app, on my phone and like lay in bed at night and start reading through the Bible. And I would like fall asleep. So I don't know, transmission of the Bible by osmosis, maybe with my phone and my hand there. I don't know, (laughs) but I would fall asleep doing it, which isn't bad. It's good to like fall asleep with God's word on your mind, but (laughs) I don't recommend it. Um, so And then when it comes to worship, you know, there's a whole world out there of stuff. I personally, I love, I love good worship music, but I also, I've always loved like country and rap. And so I actually have a playlist of Christian country slash rap. It's like an upbeat playlist. So what I've done to help make this all easier is I've linked two of my worship playlists that I basically listen to all the time. I do update them as time goes on, but they're on Spotify. You can like do the like things. So they're in your library, but I've got those linked below. And I also linked the study Bible that I use and a great devotional that breaks down Proverbs 31, which, um, Proverbs 31 is just a great chapter in the Bible about a woman and what we're called to. And I think a lot of the times for a big part of my journey, I thought it meant it was like a checklist of things I needed to do, but really it's about your character. And it's a beautiful, beautiful description of what a a woman's character should be. And I think it's a great place to start too. I mean, the best place to start is truly reading your Bible. So the study Bible, it's cool because it's got like notes and Q and A's and it helps explain what some of the verses mean. It's been my one and only Bible the whole time, the whole past decade. So I would recommend like some simple places to start, not Genesis one and just reading straight through. Cause you will fall asleep. Like I did. Um, not that it's bad, but I would recommend like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, first and second Corinthians. Those are great places to start because they're encouraging. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will tell you about Jesus and his life here on earth. So I think those are great places to start. And then prayer. 
don't overcomplicate that either. You can just talk to him. There are so many times where I'm driving and I just talk to God. Like I told you earlier, I will stop in the middle of my, my day. And literally, this is what my prayer will, my prayer will literally be, God, I need help right now. I cannot do this moment of motherhood by myself. I really need something from you. And he will just give me like the peace or the confidence or the patience. Patience is a big one that I need in that moment. So just talk to him. Your eyes don't have to be closed. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be at a church or at a pew or on the side of your bed. You can talk to him with your eyes open. You can look up. You can be walking. You know, just pray. Just talk. Like, I think the best, simplest way to understand it, it's like talking to a friend. When you call up your friend, you just talk, right? That's God's your friend. He just wants to talk to you. He just wants to hear from you. So just talk to him like he's a friend. So super simple. And it's, it's a joy. So I hope this episode today, um, you know, let, let you get to know me a little bit better. I did want to bring this on because it's such a special time of year for me and a special year in general It being 10 years in April since I was baptized. But I also really, really hope this left you encouraged. I hope you seek out something, whether it's, you know, the worship playlist that I love listening to. Seriously, go check out go check out the one that's good for like working out and it's more upbeat. I call it my pump up playlist. I will be like bump into those jams in the preschool pickup line. And I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm listening to some like dirty rap song, but it's not, it's all Christian worship. It's great. But, um, you know, whether it's the worship songs or you go pick up that Proverbs 31 devotional or a Bible for the first time, or you just start literally talking to God, like you can talk to him however you want. You can be like mad at him. You can like yell at him if you need to, you know, you can cry to him, like literally crying tears on your face. He can take it. It's such a joy having someone who can handle and shoulder those emotions of us. So um, whatever you do, I just encourage you to do something, to tap into one of those resources. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for getting through this. I hope it left you encouraged and seeking out some simple, simple way to connect with God because he's there for you. He wants you to be after his heart. And he, even though he doesn't want bad things to happen to you, he will use them to help pull you back to him. And so just like surrender to that. Like I had to, you know, back 10 years ago, just surrender to that and let him do such awesome, awesome work in your life one day at a time. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. And until next time, mama, get after it. Before you go, thank you for spending this time with me on the Tough Love Mom podcast. If this episode encouraged you in any way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a review, letting me know how the show has impacted you. Then send this episode to another mom friend or take a screenshot, post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me on this journey to impact thousands of moms. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you, sister. Until next time, get after it.